Welcome to the third and goal week 13 review show. Dan Campbell and the Lions secure their first win of the season as they down the Vikings in the dying embers of the fourth quarter. Big Ben literally bursts into tears as the Steelers surprise the Ravens and Mac Jones averages 9.5 yards per completion in windy weather as the Patriots go top of the AFC. I'm your host Fred Patton and I'm joined today by Rob Monk and Dan Hughes. How are we doing guys? Yeah good thanks Fred. How are you? Very good. Very good. Dan? You, had, you had that pre-written, didn't you, Fred? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no wonder he was like our host today. Yeah, mate, <laughs> I tell you. I know, I know it's that as well. Like, Normally we decide who hosts the show, and he sits there quickly type something out, but that was pre-done. <laughs> what would you have done if we'd have gone, no, 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 I'm going to host this one, Fred? I wanted to get my Mac stat in there and go into no other stats about that game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, when you sell it on that one, nine and a half yards of completion, QB1, right? Absolutely. Absolutely superstar. Um, a record amount of throws for a Patriots quarterback as well this week. Yeah, the lowest number of throws. <laughs> it's the lowest, I believe, in all the NFL ever. I think there was 1951, I think there was some, a quarterback of three free throws. That, uh, uh, as the I'm lowest sat- I saw since the merger <laughs> was six. Oh, so you could, yeah, because I think would that be before it was low. It was very low anyway, but uh, got the job done. But yeah. uh, where do you want to start today, guys? I think game-wise, should we go... Well, there's plenty of games to talk about. Should we go Pittsburgh, Baltimore first? Whose game is that? I think that was mine. I think it was two. There you go. Let's go for it. Yeah, there weren't many surprises this week for me. When you look through what the scores were, um, I can't remember which way we all went on this. I know I went Ravens, I believe. We all went, all went Ravens. We all went Ravens. <laughs> I thought that might be the case. Um, and obviously, I think that was probably one of the few, what you could probably call a little bit of a surprise throughout the week. Um, and, you know, I've not seen a lot of football this week and I've not seen a lot of that game, but, um, you know, it really seemed to come alive until the fourth quarter. Nobody scored a point in the first quarter. Uh, there were 10 points in the second, three points in the third. And then 26 in the fourth quarter, and uh, Pittsburgh won by a point, 20 to 19. Uh, Big Ben went 21 of 31, 236 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Lamar Jackson, 23 of 37, 253 yards, no touchdown, one interception. And uh, I think that interception, from what I remember when I put Red Zone on, was relatively early on in the game i can't fully remember but it seems to have flashbacks of the week before where he threw four interceptions in a game and you know was this going to be the same sort of thing again um you know i think devonta freeman he looked decent he had 14 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown um not really got much love for freeman anymore uh, <laughs> marquis brown Five receptions, 55 yards, averaging, you know, 11 yards uh, per pass. Mark Andrews, four receptions, 50 yards. Um, you know, on the Steelers, Najee Harris, he's having a great year this year. Um, he got 71 yards on 21 carries, averaging 3.4 yards per carry. Deontay Johnson, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, it was a surprise for me. I thought Pittsburgh this year so far, they've not looked 
you know, we spoke about them last year and how they went to 9-0 or 10-0 or whatever it was. And um, Dan was telling us how they weren't as good as the record suggested. And that, you know, seemed to... Say it. True. Say it. Mm. Yeah, you were right. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and uh, especially in that final third of the season. And this season, you know, they've not had, you know, the 6-5-1 and one this season so far. They don't look brilliant. Baltimore Ravens have looked at times like they could be a top, top team. And then they've had a few results along the way, which, you know, has made you question them. And uh, I did think the Ravens would have enough to beat the Steelers um, this week, but obviously it wasn't to be. And we all went Ravens in our predictions and the Steelers won it. Well, they cost themselves the game in a few ways, didn't they? They had the lead for most of it and then went for the two points right at the end instead of kicking the field goal to take it to 20 all and take it to overtime. It, you can sort of see why they did it, but at the same time, they could have taken that game into overtime and you know, Big Ben is... There clearly are issues with Big Ben, and I think it probably really got to him this week because you saw his reaction after the game, which was really overly emotional, wasn't it? Really, it was quite, quite bizarre. Um, but you know, it seems everything seems to be getting to him. I think there's a lot of reports saying that he's admitted this is his last season, and to go and beat a big team, obviously, he's done him good. But what did you guys make of the sort of the two point call at the end there? Um, I was in bed actually, Fred. So <laughs> at that point, so I've not actually seen it. Um, and I've not caught up on the game either. So I caught a bit of the early part of the game on Red Zone, but I've not seen the end of it. Um, but, you know, the play callers, the head coaches, they're in that job for a reason. But it seems to me that if you're going for the two points to win the game in the dying embers, um, when you've got more chance to convert a field goal and tie the game and take it to overtime, I think I'd I'd take that route personally myself. But mm. like I say, I'm not an NFL coach or head coach or play caller. So, <laughs> you know, they're the guys that apparently have all the plays written down. They know what the chances are of conversion. They know which route to go in, in which situations and with the time remaining on the clock. And they made a call to go for the two points. And, You've got to think that they believe that they could they could get it, and with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, um, Mark Andrews yeah. tight end, yeah, it's another you know there's there's plenty of quality on the field that you think you know why not, but you know when you look at the chances of can be converting a field goal, um, I think I'd have taken that option and taken it to uh, to overtime personally than try and win the game with what is more of a long shot and then lose the game. Mm. Personally, I, I don't mind the call going for two. I think every team has got a number of plays that they're confident in that will work, that will do that. They obviously had one. They obviously felt good about it. And if you watch it, the plays are scoring plays. Andrews <laughs> breaks out, the rusher comes, Lamar steps up away from him and dinks that little ball. He's just missed the pass by maybe a foot. It's a foot wide of where Andrews is. It's that minute detail. And even then, there's, Andrews still has a chance at tipping it to himself and bringing it in, which we saw earlier in the game. He actually done on a pass. Yep. So um, I don't think the play call or anything like that was wrong. I think that one goes down to human error, and that can happen on any play at any time. It just happened to be on that play at that time. Do you know what I mean? They always say about in, in soccer football, don't they, that 
the goalkeepers make the smallest mistake and they get punished because it's generally always a goal. And that's what it came down to be. It was one little mistake. If that happened on a third and two in the second quarter, nobody would bat an eyelid. The play was right. It was just the execution was minute detail out. It just had drastic consequences because of what was on the line on that play. So I I don't mind the call. I don't mind going for two there if you fancy yourself and say they would have executed it but for a a smidge of human error. Absolutely. Well, should we go to your game then, Dan? My game was really exciting. If it was, well, I think it was Washington Raiders, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. That's all right then. <clears throat> I thought it was. <laughs> it said last week seems like a hell of a long time ago, Fred, I have to say. <laughs> lots, um, lots has happened in that time, but not a lot happened in this game. I didn't see a lot of it. I was out with Bucks fans watching the Bucks game. Um, I thought it had the potential to be higher scoring than it was. Um, especially in an indoor arena. Washington Open, first drive, touchdown. Logan Thomas is back. Was he come back last week, but looks fit and healthy again, which is, which is good for Washington. Always and out. Um, then there was five consecutive possessions, nope, six consecutive possessions of punts. And in the last drive before the halftime was a Raiders field goal. Um, I mean, that sounds dire, doesn't it? Let's face it. None of them were like, Three and outs either. 29 yards game, 20 yards, 43, 27, 46. So they're both teams are kind of moving the ball, but I guess both just lack that bit of quality when it really mattered. Um and then when they go on. I thought you asked question, sorry. No, no, sorry. <laughs> uh, and then obviously Washington Raiders took um a field goal late on, four minutes left to take the lead. Um, Washington just managed the clock a little bit, got down the field, nearly balls it up, but they took a 48-yard field goal uh, to put themselves two up in the lead with 37 seconds remaining. So um, I picked it at the time because it was two teams on the cusp of sort of the wild card spots. I think both teams would have had that marked as a winnable game. Um, Washington ultimately did, and it has now put them in a wild card slot where, where I think they'll probably finish depending on their their schedule's not too bad. Um, the big thing that stood out for me is they finally seem to have worked out how to use Antonio Gibson, this guy that was held as CMC 2.0, if you will, when he, he really failed to live up to it in the early season. Um, he wasn't getting the passing work. He was going to McKissick. Um, he was sitting down in 10, 12, 13 rushing attempts, which for a, a bell cow back is nowhere near good enough. Um but yeah, 23 rushes, 88 yards, uh, and six targets, five receptions. So it looks like now they're getting really productive usage out of him. Uh, and they figured that out, and as I say, with Logan Thomas coming back as well. Uh, it gives them another option in that passing game, which will obviously help free up Gibson, I think. So, And they've got a decent schedule. They've got two Dallas games. They've got an Eagles twice and the Giants. So you, you probably fancy them to, to win three, if not four of those. Which, which will put them in pretty good stead for at least a wild card spot, I suppose, with Dallas looking so good at the minute. Yeah, that Thomas touchdown as well, like how he oh, yeah. rose up there and put his arms up and he looked... He's a big old lad, isn't he? Yeah, he looked massive and, yeah, I'm pleased to see him back because I've got him in quite a few fantasy teams. and Me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was high on him going into this year and um, I thought he could, you know, score a lot of... A lot of points in fantasy and get a lot of touchdowns, a lot of yardage because 
he's more like one of those hybrid um tight end wide receiver slot wide receiver sort of players um and for him to go down injured and then to come back and you know that that touchdown pass was epic i'm really pleased for taylor haneke uh to be fair as well you know and, and washington in general because i mean they faced a lot of adversity all in one go right at the beginning of the season uh, when I think we all felt they actually had quite a you know, right roster and one that should do fairly well and now they're going to end up doing fairly well but from a pretty poor position initially I think it's been a really impressive comeback these little sort of last five, six, seven weeks from them and everything just seems to be falling into place quite nicely for them doesn't it even though they are without Chase Young and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick Yeah they lost Fitzpatrick I think they'd be better off if they'd had Fitzpatrick probably mm-hmm. by a game or two they lost Gibson for a bit and he weren't fully fit. Thomas has been out injured. They obviously signed Curtis Samuel in the offseason and he's been out injured. Uh, they've obviously lost Chase Young as well now. So they're certainly having their, their issues with injuries. Um, yeah, I think that would probably account for, you know, probably two games across all of the season if they mm-hmm. go to guys back now. So, uh, yeah, they don't have a chance to challenge for the division. I think they'll make a playoff in a wild card spot because of the schedule they've got left to come. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, the Raiders, on the other hand, I don't know now for them, to be honest, because they're still at 6-6, six and six, but they're out of the playoff spot in the AFC. They've got the Chiefs, I think, coming up next week. Um, yeah, Chiefs coming up, they've still got to go to the Colts. Still got to go to, they've got a home game to the Chargers. So I think they're two teams just sort of seesaw in different ways right now. Yeah, One's I agree. Looking set getting people healthy and looking confident and we've said about the Raiders last couple of weeks they just seem to be imploding a little bit after their after their good start to the year yeah I think you're spot on I think the Raiders unfortunately are just dying out really now aren't they I think it's just everything that's gone on this year's probably killed them as well as sort of losing you know key players and the coach for various reasons I think yeah unfortunately it's just sort of petering out for them really isn't it but the question is, Fred, who is currently the most exciting quarterback in the NFL? Oh, after Monday night's performance, obviously, Mac Jones. <laughs> I don't know, really. Obviously You're not. not Derek Carr anymore, then? No, don't know. of course I like Derek Carr. I don't think this falls on Derek Carr at all. I think you look at the frustration he has in his voice when he speaks. You know, he's clearly pained because I think they probably, they've got a still a pretty good roster offensively and he, I think, probably felt this was the year they were really going to kick on because they started so well, but yeah, I just think they're just done. I just think, unfortunately, they're done for for a variety of reasons, and it's a great shame. They just see what they do in the off season. Yeah, lose to the Chiefs this week, and that's kind of the Raiders' year done. Then I think if they can pull that one out of the bag, they've got a fighting chance. But still, some tough games to go. So yeah, be surprised if they did. So we'll go on to my game then: the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los yeah. Angeles Chargers. What a pick! What a pick. I know, what a seesawing game as well. I have friends who are Chargers fans who are high as kites after the first quarter and low as anything quite soon after. It was bizarre. I think this game for me sums up where the Bengals are in a sense in that they're very talented, but they're not quite there. They're probably a year, maybe two years away from being a very, very good side. The Chargers are just that bit ahead. Um, I think what's quite pleasing from a Chargers point of view is that they have lost a few games against potential playoff teams recently and you, your head go you know your head could have quite conceivably gone down after the Bengals Fred, yes just before you get into the game specifics yeah yeah yeah. I would like to point out that the Bengals defeat in that game they rob yet another zero 
on our prediction. <laughs> you were right to point that out. So I did before you got into it, but that is back to back zeros, Rob. Oh man, that is I was trying to think. Games, six was like, games without one right. <laughs> I knew I got that one wrong, and I knew I got the Raven Steelers wrong. Now I was trying to work out what the other game was. You had the Raiders. Mm. You both did. Bought into the Derek Carr hype. So just for the record, it was two for me, one for Fred, mm-hmm. and zip for Rob. So Rob's on twenty, <laughs> I'm on twenty-two. Fred's on twenty-four. Oh wow! Wow. So you, Rob, can't take the lead this week, even if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I knew it. Games, Rob. Six Ian. games. I was. Yeah, I've not got one that <laughs> games. Like I was confident in myself as well. I've been putting money on your picks, are you? If <laughs> you're doing these travels, jeez. <laughs> I'd just like to publicly declare myself bankrupt. <laughs> it's handy though because I haven't had to change the sheet. The sheet just stays the same. The figures I just skip over your like north and twenty stays the same. All right, guys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing it for easy maintenance. Easy maintenance. That's okay. it. Yeah. Uh... Sorry, Fred. You may carry no, on with your fine. game report. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think the Bengals for me, they're just a year, a year or two away from being a really, really good side. All the compo- a lot of the components are there. Um, going back to the Chargers, yeah, I think from a Chargers point of view, it was actually a really important game to go and get a result in. You know, they sort of lost to a fairly good Broncos side last week. They should beat the Broncos, really. Um, you know, they've lost to the Vikings. They've lost to the Patriots. they lost to the Ravens. You know, in terms of... You know, it's the sort of game they've got to win if they're going to be a playoff contender this year, which obviously now the schedule does get a lot easier for them. Um, you know, they've got the Giants and the Texans two of the next three weeks are a Chiefs game in the middle there. So the Chiefs game will be a bit of a, a day of reckoning for them in terms of exactly where they're at, I guess, really. But um, it's difficult to really, even though the you know, Chargers scored 41 points, it's difficult really to be too harsh on the Bengals as well. Um, but, you know, Justin Herbert was excellent. Uh, 317 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Austin Eckler, reliable, but not spectacular. But Mike Williams, again, having a real standout game, 110 yards off five receptions uh, for him. And uh, they've got a lot of options, the Chargers offensively. It's quite exciting. You know, you've got sort of five guys going pretty much 30 yards or over. Uh, but, you know, two of those are going 19, 110. But, you know, even if those guys aren't working out, you've still got plenty of other options to go to. You're not just looking at one or two receivers and thinking, well, if I don't come off with those guys, we're done for. Um, Keenan Allen, as you say, had, mm. you mentioned Mike Williams. Keenan Allen only had five catches for 34 yards. But within that, he had two touchdowns. And he threw a two-point conversion to um, Herbert. Absolutely. So, you know, yeah, big man to use. Extremely versatile offense. I mean, <clears throat> defensively, they got to Burrow quite a lot, you know, two, three, four, six sacks on Joe Burrow. Um, so, you know, that side of the game is very good for bar the second and third quarter. But it's, it's a difficult one to criticize too much because the Bengals are good offensively as well. Burrow has been very good in general this season. He went brilliant against the Chargers, but he still put up 300 yards. You know, he had the two INTs, but, you know, he's still a threat. Joe Mixon is a huge threat. Um, you know, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, you know, um, CJ Ozuma in general has had a pretty good year as well at times, although he wasn't great on Sunday. You know, these are two very good offences going at each other and, you know, you're going to have to score big to win this sort of game. And the Chargers did that. And I think... It's a good win for them. I think they've got an important game against the Chiefs in two weeks' time to see exactly how far ahead of the Bengals they are. And I know the records are very similar, but 
I just feel the Chargers are more likely to go further in the playoffs than the Bengals are at this point. And um, yeah, I think this game sort of reflected reflected where both sides are at, really. Yeah, it seemed a good game. So I was out watching the Bucks game, and the booth next to us where we was had um, had red zone on, and it just seemed constantly to be having that game on. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure what happened as well because we just sort of heard a bit and peered around, and I'd had a few beers. But <laughs> I remember watching the clip, and Jesse Bates, I'm guessing he's either intercepted or recovered a fumble, was running down the field, and it was actually Justin Herbert that tackled mm. him out of bounds. Stop mm. him scoring as the last man. So um, it seemed eventful for sure. So good pick a game, Fred. Yeah, absolutely. Not all of my picks are quite that good, but uh, the game that it was interrupting on Red Zone is probably the next one I want to talk about in uh, in the Lions winning a game of football, game winning drive. Jared Goff taking them home. It shocked us all, I'm sure. Um. It did. I mean, the Vikings have got that in them to yeah. <laughs> fail miserably. Uh, they lost Adam Phelan, didn't they, very early on to an injury. I think that has a huge impact on the way they play. Um, but we've said all year, all of us, that not only did we kind of want the Lions to win a game, but actually their efforts almost merited winning a game at times throughout the year. Um, so I'm pleased they stuck with it. It would have been such a Lions thing for them to have that last drive and drop that last cash in the end yep. zone, right, and, and have a defeat. So, they never. They've stuck at it. They've worked hard all year. Um, no, I'm pleased for the organisation. It's great because it doesn't affect their draft capital. They're still where they are. So, yeah, let them have their win. Let them enjoy it. Um, mm. And it was thoroughly deserved on the night by all accounts. Yeah, I think we've all been... Dan Campbell, I didn't know what to make of him in the off-season. Um, I thought like it was... I didn't really warm to him and what he was saying and how he was saying it in the off-season. But you can see that the Lions are wanting to play for him and it's hard not to like the fight and that they're showing and the emotion that like Dan Campbell's shown in some of his post-match press conferences when they've lost games. And like Dan says, the Vikings have got it in them to lose games or throw games away and... Obviously, they're the without Dalvin Cook as well at running back. They're relying on Alexander Madison and um, obviously losing Thielen early on. Um, but you still probably fancied them. Oh, yeah. In our predictions, I'm sure, would have had three Vikings predictions. Yep. Um, but, you know, seeing that drive to end the game on, on red zone and Every time it cut away to something else and you're like, just go back to the line. <laughs> it's that clear, wasn't it? it was um, yeah. You know, great for them. And <clears throat> they looked ecstatic as well about it. Oh, God, yeah. The reaction was fantastic. It was so genuine as well. And everyone leaping up. Jared Goff. It was leave for Jared Goff as well because he's gone from having a really good offence to a really naff offence. And whatever you think of him, that's a hell of a, a hell of a drop in people around you, isn't it? So... You know, for him to get that win as well, I was pleased for him because he does take a lot of stick as well. And whether he's good enough to be a starting QB in the NFL is a different discussion. But the whole thing, I just yeah, I couldn't be happier. Really. What I will say what? is, you see on Twitter his girlfriend in the bikini on the beach. Yes, um, suit. I must agree with most of the comments. Even if Jared Goff is not winning on the field, he's winning in the <laughs> his life. For me, what's something up a lot was as well, we was in the bar watching and say, 
and the Bucks game had finished and turned Artelli over to red zone yet. So we all sort of ended up leaning around the booth next door to watch their red zone and the games that were finishing. And when that touchdown was caught, it was probably the biggest cheer, our booth and their booth, all cheered. And none of us in there, but not one of us was a Lions fan. But we all cheered because you kind of just wanted them to. They kind of deserved it. So, yeah. Um, bit of solidarity with the Lions there. Yeah, it's weird. It's not like the they've lost 10 games and lost one in overtime as well. And they've got no fight about them. They come every week and they fight. Mm. Irrespective of their record and what people think about them. I think everybody, you know, sometimes you can see teams that haven't won a game all season. Tanking. Yeah, and they look like they're tanking, even though that's, you know, we spoke about this last season and don't mm. think it's actually a thing because players and coaches wouldn't, just give away a season when it's the livelihood at stake. Mm-hmm. But some teams do look that way. And um, and they look a lot of teams sometimes can look lethargic at this stage in the season and hopeless. But the Lions come every week. And even though they're losing week in, week out, they've still got that fight about them and that fire in their belly. And um, then they lose again. And they still come back next week with fight in the belly. Mm-hmm. But to see them finally win, and, and like you said, Fred, the emotion when they won, it was, it was good to see. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, games-wise, guys, any, what games did you like the look of this uh, this week? I'm too happy now to criticise anyone. Tampa. <laughs> Go on, Dan. Hit us. What? No, no, it hit us with the game. game. It was a good I'm game. Right, yeah. It was a good game. Um, first half was pretty even, to be honest. I think we had control of the first half before... Being stupid, we let Atlanta run on us a little bit, which was annoying and score easy. I mean, both teams looked like they could control the field and get down the field early on. Um, yeah, Brady threw a pick six, which was horrible. Absolutely horrible throw. I don't know. It just The better team won on the game. I think the Falcons were able to hang in there and keep it tight and it was a bit nervy till the half I think it was a three point game at the half um, and then Falcons had the ball and I think it was the very first drive back out was it Rob that the fumble occurred yeah, yeah. Uh, and even then you'd started to move the ball you know I think you'd gone 30-40 yards at that stage before the fumble and it, it looked like you could drive and score again but we took the fumble we didn't actually do anything with it we only had a free and out maybe or not um but the following time back on the field, we, we got a touchdown and that made it a 10-score game. Um, there was a weird one, Rob, where we was watching, and I don't know what you think, but I can't remember if it was the play after that. You were down 10. You had a chance to, I want to say, go for a fourth down or a field goal. No, I think it was a field goal and you didn't take it or something like that. Quite a long one. I think you took a delay of game and moved back maybe to punt it. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, I and remember. We couldn't work out with a two-score game why you wouldn't try and put the points on the board at the time. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> trying to think back to it, I was struggling to recall that until you said the delay game, and now I can remember that. And mm. Just trying to rejig my memory, I seem to think that we were probably going, going to try and go for it on fourth down until the play clock expired. <laughs> pushed us back and then we're in that situation where we can't go for it anymore because we're too far back and we're also out of field goal range. Um, but I don't know. I think, you know, Arthur Smith had said, 
he makes mistakes. He's a first-year head coach, but he'll never make the same mistake twice. And we don't want to rest on our laurels, and we want to be aggressive offensively and go for things. Um, but if it was just you know letting the play clock expire, then that's not really acceptable. Um, especially in that position where it's either you go for it on fourth down or you're out of field goal range. It's not like the play clock expires and you're still in field goal range, so you've still got a chance to then the punt it is inexcusable, whether you're a first-year coach or what. But, you know, I agree with you, Dan. I think I was dreading the game uh, more so, obviously, because I know you... (laughs) I've got it here. There you go. It was a full for nine. They had a third and six at our 39-yard line. I remember you then you lost... a minute to go in the half. And you took a five-yard penalty. Um, yeah, delay of game. So he was punting it from the Tampa Bay 39. Oh, no, sorry. From the 39 was a minus three-yard pass. He was on the Tampa Bay 42 with a four for nine. Yeah, because the call and before... Took a delay of three... game. He threw behind the line of scrimmage, on the clock. He? Yeah, that's it. And it was 50 seconds on the clock. I don't know. I think I'd go for it or not at that stage. What would the score be? You'd have been three points down. It would have been a tied game at the half. And you're getting the ball. Yes, you run the risk, I guess, of giving Brady 45, 50 seconds to try and get a field goal back. But <clears> even <throat> if he did, the worst case you were going into the half, it was six points down. Or if you'd have missed a kick and we'd have got one. It would still have been a one-score game. So it just seemed weird that maybe you didn't take that on. He's pinning us back. Well, we probably didn't even try for the, the, the score anyway, that short time on the clock. So it just seemed strange at the time we were watching it to why you wouldn't try and kick that field goal. Yeah. Well, The other thing I think that really hurt you was your offensive line. And I said to you just today, they didn't seem like they could stop a ball rolling uphill. Um, but particularly on third downs. And we know the Bucks pressure on third downs. But second half, after the fumble, your next drive, you had a... You moved the ball all the way to our 40 before, on a third and seven, had an eight-yard sack. So that kills that on the third down. And the very next drive, you had a third and four and took a nine-yard sack. The third downs, there was just no option out of the backfield at all. Um yeah, it's been difficult this year and last year as well, watching Matt Ryan behind our offensive line. And, um, you know, the commentator said during the game that the centres, are uh, we've got a rookie in Drew Dalman, who um, you'll probably remember had two bad snaps. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He's taken about 40% of snaps at centre and... Uh, Hennessy is taking about 60% of the snaps and but you know they're both they're either a rookie or they've got one year experience um Dalman's the rookie and they're not they don't feel no confidence anyway especially when you're moving on from someone like Alex Mack that we had before and uh Jalen Mayfield another rookie a left guard is just <laughs> like a revolving door uh, he had a terrible game Week one against the Eagles. He put the tweet out pre-season, didn't he? If you want your QB protected, pick me. Which has obviously yeah. resurfaced again this week. That could, yeah, and that surfaced after the Eagles <laughs> game. And it could not be f- 
further from the truth because, like I say, it's like a revolving door. You can just literally breeze straight past him. What do you guys think of Matt Ryan? I mean, like he's had some good weeks this year through and bad weeks through no fault of his own, it seems. Like, his stat line looks okay. I didn't watch much of your game, but, you know, he still looks to be have enough ability. <laughs> I saw something. I don't know whether you guys saw it. It was a graph um, which should the amount of help in percentage terms that quarterbacks were getting from the rest of the team. And Matt Ryan was 32nd with 0% assistance from his team, which shows you what he's up against. And, you know, Jake Matthews (laughs) is a great left tackle. Uh, He had a bad game. Uh, McGarry at uh, right tackle. We moved back into the first round for him what, two, three years ago, the same year that we drafted Lindstrom at right guard, and uh, McGarry was, people said he was a reach back then, and, you know, I think he's showing that he's not the long-term answer for us at right tackle. The only one that came out of the game on the offensive line was, uh, was probably Lindstrom at right guard, but everybody else you know, Jake Matthews, like I say, he is a great left tackle and I'm happy with him there. But he had a poor game. Uh, Mayfield, both our centres, McGarry. Yeah, it's, it's not good enough. We can't protect Matt Ryan. And and that's the difference. When you look at the amount of pressures that we've put on quarterbacks, not just in the Bucks game, but throughout the season, we're ranking lowest on quarterback pressures at 19.9%. Um, and we don't even... You know, and then our offensive line cannot, you know, cannot stop, as Dan says, a ball running up a hill. So where does this leave Matt Ryan then? What are you saying? What we? Well, we've got to stick with Matt Ryan next year because we restructured his contracts. Uh, I don't think Matt Ryan's the problem, is what I'm saying. I mm-hmm. think the offensive line is the problem. But when you look at our team and defensively, I'm relatively happy with our linebackers. We've got some youth at safety, which I think will be all right. Um, we could do with another cornerback uh, to complement Terrell because uh, Fabian Moreau is not the answer long-term and is only on a one-year contract. And edge rushers, we've got no like pass rushing threat, mm. really, beyond Grady Jarrett. Um, so we need that as well. And then it's like, well, where do you go? Ridley's... Situation is up in the air. Will he come back? Won't he? When you look at our wide receivers, then we've lost Julio Jones and we've lost Ridley. We need wide receivers. Um, so we need offensive linemen. So there's a lot of holes to fill. And it's it's trusting Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith to try and fill the right holes in the right order, I suppose. Finish on a positive for you, Rob. Through to the end of week twelve, you're the only uh, only defense not to allow a player forty yards plus. So, I thought he was going to say he's the only host of our pod to have two zero weeks. <laughs> that as well. That as well. <laughs> but that's not so positive. But um, what's <laughs> quick? Yeah, look. I said that graph with you. I, I like that graph, and I will admit it took me ages to find the Falcons on that graph. <laughs> Being at the very bottom, and I was looking at the top end for his. Uh, his but yeah, I mean that's that's positive. Um, but you know, I think Dan said 
last week, like are the Falcons the worst five and six team that you've ever seen? And I think we are. And I'm shocked that we've actually won five games this season. And it's, when I watch us every Sunday, it's difficult to see how we've won a game or how we'll win a game in the future. Mm. Well, quick route around the rest of the league. Obviously, Cowboys beating the Saints, no major surprise there. The Texans now eliminated from playoff contention after losing 31 nothing. Just quickly on the Saints, the I enjoy a wind oh, sorry, up yeah. the South Go people. The Saints have now lost five games in a row for the first time since Sean Payton took charge. Um, and it was all since they celebrated their mini Super Bowl win against the Bucks. They haven't won a game since. <laughs> so. I love Taysom Hill's stat line on this one as well. 19 of 41. 264 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions, 101 yards rushing. Just the most confusing go-go gadget player out there, isn't he? Well, there was a... Have you seen the play as where he runs and he, the safety yeah. steps up and he jumps over the safety? And <laughs> someone had tagged it. Is there anything this man can't do? And the very first comment was, yeah, throw the ball to his own team. <laughs> and that kind of summed it up, to be honest. I just... I mean, you got to come a little bit of slack because obviously it's his first start, isn't it, a quarterback this year, I guess. But it's just a... So many metrics all over the place with that performance, isn't there? It's flipping wild. Wild. But Cowboys back, both sides of the ball pretty good. Not perfect yeah, defensively, good, but, you know, very good in that sense. Um, Dolphins beating Giants. That defence, again, really, really good. They've hit their ceiling of, you know, between 20 and 25 points again. Against the Giants side, they should be scoring more points against, but two has been pretty good. The defence has been excellent. That defence is what wins them games. That's why they were so poor earlier in the year for me, because that defence was had so many holes in it, missing so many players. Now it's back. Now they're winning games. There's no sort of great science to it. From my perspective, Jets-Eagles, I don't know if you guys caught too much for this, Minshew-Mania. Minshew had an excellent game. Absolutely excellent. Zach Wilson started very well, but Minshew, 20 of 25, 242 yards and two touchdowns. Quarter three, Zach Wilson became the Zach Wilson we've seen for the first two thirds of this season, really. Um, just sort of fell away. Yeah, again, I didn't see much of it because it was on red zone at the same time we were watching, mm. so just flicked over. Um, like the Lions, I think Gardner Minshew is someone that you probably don't want wearing your own team's jersey, but when he's not, <laughs> you don't mind him doing well. You're quite like, you want to root for the guy, right? So, yeah. Uh, wears his heart on his sleeve and, and gives his all. So I never doubt anyone that does that. Well, yeah. I mean, there's another talking about quarterbacks full of emotion this week. The the amount of hugs he gave his dad after the game, and it was just like I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, almost full on punching his dad in in joy, <laughs> bizarrely. And uh, but also I learned this week, Minchu tried to break his own hand whilst he was at college, so he had a an injured red shirt season, basically. Okay. Absolute. Crazy man. Crazy, yes. crazy man. Carly Murray Cardinals. Don't know if you guys caught much of that, but um, yeah, Andy Dalton all over the place. Quite a game for Murray, really, but did what he had to do. They ran the ball a lot and um, it was a comfortable win, really. And a good performance from the defence at times. They were INTs at crucial times. There, but otherwise, guys, I think that's pretty much it. Seahawks, uh, fake punt touchdown. Obviously, yeah. beating the 49ers. Um, and the Chiefs beating the Broncos in a not massively convincing manner. The Broncos were all right, but I'm still waiting for this Chiefs side to explode still. Mahomes pretty average. George Kittle was back in that Niners game, though, wasn't he? What, sorry? George Kittle looked like George Kittle oh, yeah. a couple of years ago in that game. Nine receptions for 181 yards and two touchdowns. Like, 
that's the guy that everyone's been waiting to see this whole year and last year and finally looks like hopefully he can he can come back so I'm a big fan of George Kittle I love the way he plays football so a few receptions and double coverage continue. as well really good yeah it's thing. just a he's just someone that seems to be really enjoying playing football right he, he likes the contact he likes getting a hit he'll have a laugh with it he shakes everyone's hand and goes off afterwards right it's, it's a mm. it's a fun game for him so nice to see him back there back and healthy no, very good, very good. And then, um, yeah, finally, I was saying Chiefs, Broncos, Mahomes stat line poor again this week. 15 to 29, 184 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Where's the first six weeks of Patrick Mahomes gone? They're fixing some of their problems, the Chiefs, aren't they? But they're not looking great still, are they? No, but they've got the top of the division. Just tied, yeah. I think, in the conference. Am I right in thinking that? Or the... No, you've took the lead now, haven't you, the yeah. Patriots? Um, nine and four, but yeah, three teams at eight and four. Titans, Ravens, Chiefs, Patriots are the four division winners. And I tell you what, they could all beat each other. And even the teams in the the wildcard currently, Chargers, Bengals, Bills. Out of those seven teams, it'd be hard to pick a conference championship. You tell us which two teams are getting through to that from there. I think that's incredibly hard to do. At the moment, I would argue the Patriots, they're just the consistency but the chief if the chiefs explode then the chiefs should be the best team in the afc realistically but they don't look like they're gonna they've got all the tools all the ability without looking like they're ever really gonna yeah. get there it's really it's odd. the same with the bills right the bills were mm-hmm. built to be a real true contender this year at the minute they're only half a game in the wild card the last spot um and play tampa this week so I know the Titans have looked good at times, but had their injury problems. I think Julio Jones is coming back though this week, so that might ease that a little bit. Ravens, me and Rob said last week that they were winning games without really playing well, looking good, but they've fallen at that this week. Um, I mean, they could have won that game as easy as lose it on the last play, and it would have been the same story, right, Rob? They'd have won a game even though they didn't really perform well or deserve to. So, yeah. I don't know. Did you listen to our shows last week, Fred? You, you wasn't here. No, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance. Okay, I'm fine. This week. That's fine. So <laughs> we'll skim over the Patriots now then. So, but yeah, nobody in the whole conference is really standing out and saying, we're going to have this as ours right now. Uh, it's tricky. I do. It's feel, not... I really do feel the Patriots are very greater than the sum of their parts. And while everything's working and whilst they remain relatively injury-free... They, sh- you know, unless the Chiefs explode, I think they'll probably win the conference just through all-round consistency. But, you know, they're I think the Patriots are fine until they come up against a good defense. I don't think their offense will have enough to trouble a better defense. Um, the agree. thing is, in the AFC, so there isn't a lot of decent defenses there, so mm. um, they might have a shout on that respect. I mean, if they come up against the Rams and Washington, the Tampa defense, perhaps, I think they'd struggle. I don't think they sh- the Rams. I don't think. Uh, as brilliant as the record suggests, if I'm honest. Tampa mm. would be an interesting matchup. I think Green Bay really interesting matchup in the sense of, you know, they're two teams you think would or should beat the Patriots, really. We did. But, you know, the Titans with Derek Henry back are a completely different animal, aren't they? You know, if he's fit, all of a sudden they look excellent. Do you know what I mean? This is the tricky thing. The Chiefs, yeah. if Mahomes starts playing really well, look excellent. Patriots don't ever look excellent. What they are very good at, though, has been very consistent in all areas of their game without being spectacular. They've done that, that for 20 yes. years, though. What, sorry? They've done that for 20 years. 
Yeah, but it's the tricky. I mean, you haven't got Tom Brady. Matt Jones done really well, don't get me wrong. We haven't got Tom Brady anymore. The running back room has been better than I thought it would be, and it's been pretty good. But they're not, you know, they're not elite running backs. They're not elite wide receivers. You don't look at that wide receiver room and think, oh, that's really good. That's the AFC winning wide receiver room, do you? The Patriots, for me, are really a good example of the sum is better than the parts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a true example of that. Look at the Rams. The Rams have gone out and acquired the Bucks in it last year, and right, we got away with it. We won it all. But the Rams have gone out this year and added Odell Beckham and added um, JJ Watt and people like that. No, didn't. They added Formula. Sorry, um, and went 0 three in the month of November after doing so. So I don't know. I just think that the, the Patriots are different right now in that respect. Yeah, and I think Bill makes you buy, you either buy into what they do or you don't. Do you know what I mean? Mac Jones threw three balls last night, come away not bothered. You know, he just wants to win a game and that's what they should, that's what they all want to do. And you don't think, I don't think that is the same in all dressing rooms. You look at the Browns and obviously with Odell Beckham and his dad putting this stupid post on Twitter and Instagram, like, <laughs> look, here he is in free and Baker's not thrown to him and all this sort of stuff. You don't get that impression with the Patriots, I don't think. I think when you look at the AFC, like we said before, is that it's difficult to really pick a team and I still mm. feel that way that about it like the Patriots are the top team in the AFC right now for sure but you look at what we were saying prior to the season mm. starting we all had the Chiefs mm. and uh, the Bills top two teams in the AFC and they look at how the season started and the Chiefs after the first couple of weeks start to drop away the Bills have been inconsistent all year um, and then you had teams like the Ravens looked like they could be one of the top teams, then they lost a few. And then the Bengals looked like they were the informed team. And then they dropped away a little bit. And then the Titans won like five or six in a row and they looked like the top team. And then they dropped away a little bit. And uh, you've got teams like the Colts who started really poorly, who have pulled mm-hmm. themselves back to seven and six. You've got the Chargers who started well. They've dropped off. Now they're inconsistent, not really sure how to what to make of them. You've got the Raiders who started pretty well. They've had a lot of off-season issues, uh, off-field issues, um, and they've dropped away. You have the Dolphins who had a terrible start. They've won five in a row. They're six and seven. And now you've got the the Patriots who've won seven in a row at nine and four. And um, there just doesn't seem to be, like, looking the NFC and you look at the Cardinals and the Packers who have been at the top of that conference all season, look like winning all season uh, the AFC they look like they look like they're win they've got winnable rosters as well don't they you look at those rosters and think oh yeah I can see exactly why they are where they are whereas maybe I don't think you can see that if you look at a player by player basis of the Patriots or someone yeah where well, the AFC like for the first couple of weeks especially when the Chiefs were struggling and the Bills were struggling it's like who's going to be the best who's going to get the top seed in there well, it's the Titans wasn't it the Titans flew out the yep. blocks yeah, and then they've sort of dropped off. And it's like every week we come back and talk about the AFC and how a different team's at the top and there's nobody really showing lots of, like, not the same level as what some of the top teams in the NFC are. And I sort of agree with Dan. I think the Patriots probably won't scare any of the top teams in the NFC right now. That's not to say that if the Patriots got to the playoffs... Uh, and got rid of all the other AFC teams that got to the Super Bowl that, uh, you know, they couldn't win it. Um, mm. But, yeah, it just seems... No, I agree with you. The AFC is still sort of in a... 
topsy-turvy, who could get that number one seed sort of thing. But the Patriots, you know, winning seven in a row, they look like the team to beat in the AFC right now. The thing with them, just to close off, I mean, they have to be at the top of their game to win the very tough games, which fortunately they have been because the first half of the season they weren't. You see, you come up against an NFC team, like you say, Tampa, say Green Bay, Cars, whoever, you know, they, they are going to have to play to that level again to beat them. Do you know what I mean? How many times can you get this set of players to do that? You know, hopefully it's every week. Realistically, it's not going to be, is it? That's the trick. That's the, you know, the obstacle for the Patriots, really, for me. Anyway, guys, anything else you want to talk about on this review show? No. I'm not sure if we mentioned the prediction competition. Rob got a zero this week. We have, right, I'm charging recording remember right everyone thanks for listening and uh yeah i hope you've enjoyed it thanks fred for hosting very much cheers Cheers, guys rob got zero out of three thank you (laughs) and yeah we'll catch you for our preview episode thanks a lot Cheers, guys. cheers guys